Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There is no better group of plants of flower power and forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. I feel very lucky to work not just in the world of gardening, but also in the gardening media. Later on, I'll be joined by someone who's a leading figure in horticultural journalism. She's the editor of the English Garden magazine and chairman of the Garden Media Guild. It's Claire Foggart. My thanks to Thompson & Morgan, sponsors of this podcast, and to Charlie Jones, my producer. What a scorcher, goodness. And they say we should stay indoors for three days. (laughs) What, stay indoors and let the plants die? Hardly. Doesn't sound like a gardener's world to me. Uh, We have two bits of good news. At the Tatton Park Flower Show last week, two of the people we've interviewed recently won gold medals. So uh, our congratulations to Brighter Blooms, who won for their Xantodecias, and uh, Brookfield Plants for their hostas. Actually, my hostas are standing up to this high temperature pretty well. Uh, I suppose they've got a really good root system. They've made most of the leaf growth for the year. And if they get a bit dry, they seem to be able to put up with it. If you are trying to water things in the ground, I think now it's worth uh, just getting a fork and spiking the soil a bit so that when you do apply water, it goes straight down. Otherwise, I'm afraid, it'll just sit on the top and won't do any good at all. I suppose as we get into high summer and as kids are on holiday from school, uh, there will be less going on. Although for those of us in the gardening business, the seed companies are all opening their trial grounds and showing us what they've got uh, and what will uh, be introduced in the next year or two. I mentioned last week the open day at the Ball Colgrave trials in West Adderbury near Banbury. My godfathers, the colour there was just unbelievable. Yeah, I hope some of you were able to make that. Uh, And now we've got also uh, uh, the Thompson Morgan trials at Hyde Hall. I mean, they're equally colourful. I just hope that they can keep the water on them so that the plants get ever bigger and even more colourful. And then from... uh, Thompson & Morgan, early next month I go on to Mr Fothergill at Newmarket and we see uh, what he's got on offer. I'm looking at all kinds of things of course, lawn seed, all of the flowers, the latest sweet peas and of course on vegetables. 26th of July, last few days of July, it's the time to sow spring cabbage and so I'm going to have a look at cabbage. Usually at this time we're sowing things like flower of spring, Durham early April and they will establish nice little plants by September or early October they stand through the winter and then of course we cut them as hearted cabbage in May 
You can plant them about nine inches apart and cut every other one as greens through the winter. And there are special varieties now, which I'll be having a quick look at, that you can just grow for greens. If you're away on holiday for a week or two and can't sow until getting towards mid-August, well then sow where the crop is to grow and then without transplanting, of course you gain a week or two. It's quite useful if you are sowing in late July to actually leave some in situ to cut for spring greens and then transplant the rest for your main crop next May. It's worth keeping an eye too on the bulb catalogues. There are two things. If you're going to grow hyacinths for Christmas flowering, then you need to get those about mid-September. What happens is that the growers lift what are called prepared hyacinths as soon as they can and they're taken into store and kept really warm so the bulbs feel that they've had a concentrated summer. And then they drop the temperature and keep them cool and raise the humidity a little bit so that the bulb thinks that it's had a concentrated autumn. So when we get prepared hyacinths in mid-September, they think that it's getting into winter and we pot them up and they produce roots very quickly and we'll have two-inch shoots or so by the end of November so that we can force them into flower for Christmas. If you understand the treatment of the bulbs, then... uh, You'll also realise that once you do pot them up, they need to be put somewhere really cool. I have a north wall where I stretch out a bit of uh, polythene cut from an old compost bag, stand the potted bulbs on that with the compost nice and damp, cover them with a little bit of old potting compost and then wrap the whole thing with polythene. And there in the cool and the dark they make root. You just keep an eye on them And then, as I say, once they've got two inches of shoot, they can come in and be forced really quickly. The other thing, if you are looking through bulb catalogues, just check the bulb sizes. When it comes to tulips, if you're going to plant them in the garden, certainly worth getting the biggest size, what we call top size. Uh, They're usually measured by the circumference in centimetres. And in the case of tulips... If you want something that's going to come up year after year for 20 or 30 years, then you want the 14 centimetre up. And I'll tell you, if you can find some of the impressions, tulip impression red, tulip impression pink, and you get those in top size bulbs, I'll tell you, you'll have flowers that stand like guardsmen and will have the people walking up and down the street uh, staring with their jaw dropped. So uh, keep your eye out and get a few bulbs. We have to think forward if we're going to have spring color. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Our guest this week is Claire Foggart, who's editor of the English Garden. And I thought it would be rather nice to hear what goes on behind the scenes of these glossy magazines. Uh, uh, Claire, uh, hello to you. And and I have to say, I think, uh, going through the pages of your July issue, it looks to me as if you're psychic. (laughs) Yes. I I mean, July issue, and there you are talking about uh, irrigation and watering plants and things, and I'm spending probably an hour and a half each day trying to keep things alive carting the washing up water and all those jobs yeah so how many days do you go ahead in publication um quite far in advance so um normally about uh, two to three weeks before the issue appears on the newsstand so whenever you do anything about the weather it is a huge gamble um and i mean not luckily because obviously you don't want droughts and heat waves and hosepipe bans and gardeners having to water constantly but um luckily we got it right this time and our um, article on uh, wise watering uh, was very prescient, you're right. Yeah, right on the button. Yes, but then that's what we come to expect of you. you (laughs) I mean, you've been editing gardening magazines for a good few years now. Mm, Yeah, Yeah. well, not editor the whole time, but I've been in gardening magazine publishing for about 15 years. Yeah, Yeah. that's quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And going through the July issue, there were a number of things that popped up. First of all, how green the magazine looks. I think it was Alan Titchmarsh, wasn't it, who said the English garden is a constant reminder of the beauty of English gardens. And as I flick through the pages, boy, there are some lovely gardens in that Julia issue. Yeah, it's not a hard job. I just, you know, I get lovely, beautiful photo sets taken by some of the country's best garden photographers and they send them to me and I have to choose which ones we feature. You know, it's um, pleasant. It's not an unpleasant job at all. Um, And we get masses, so many. I could fill the magazine about 20 times over and it's so hard to choose. Um, But yeah, they are all absolutely beautiful and we we try and pick ones that have that quintessential dreamy english look so we're very much selling a certain vision of england and english gardening and that kind of stereotypical thing and and then you've also got uh, the obituary for beth chateau yeah um, i found that very interesting there's a reference to uh, pamela underwood and, and you know, I used to be on flower shows with uh, oh. Mrs. Well, we called her Mrs. Desmond Underwood. Yeah. In those days, she was exhibiting pinks, and everything was grey. The, the back cloth to the arrangement was grey. There was grey foliage from the pinks, and then obviously the pink flowers arranged with them. Goodness, she was quite a character. <laughs> yeah. She used to chain smoke, sit on a on a, a three-legged <laughs> stool in front of us. <laughs> Stand in the middle of Chelsea. Well, all the shows, <laughs> right. yes. In a bit of, at that time of the of the world, uh, every week there would have been a county show: the yeah. Essex, the Suffolk, the Cambridgeshire, the Norfolk, uh, the Royal. All of those shows, you know, every week there was two or three shows, and sure enough, Mrs. Desmond Underwood would be there, hmm. uh, chain smoking and coughing away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the combination between her and Beth almost like the combination between 
Macbeth and uh, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. You know, such very different characters uh, that apparently got on all right. Yeah, I think a love of plants unites people. You don't necessarily have to like the same ones or in the same combination, do you? No, you don't. No. Yeah, and, and there was another reference too in the magazine uh, uh, suggesting that you visit... The sap level that we, the readers, visit Savile Gardens, mm. and I was with uh, John Anderton at the uh, Windsor Flower Show ten days or so ago, uh, and he was explaining that it's very difficult to get people to pay a fair price to go into gardens. If if you go to um, what should we say a football match or a pop concert um, or even a flower show, it's going to cost you sixty or seventy pounds. Yeah. Uh, um, and people expect to get into a flower, into a garden for a, for a fiver or something. Yeah. Uh, Claire, that doesn't make sense, does it? No, I wonder if it's partly because uh, in some people might link the gardens and parks in their mind and think, you know, like I'm walking to a park for free. And the the National Garden Scheme obviously does amazing work with marshalling people who open their gardens to raise money for charity. But they're often two pounds fifty, three pound kind of entrance fees, which maybe sort of when you turn up at a garden you know a bigger garden with bigger running costs like you or the Savile Garden and then yeah at the entrance gate face the ticket prices I guess maybe it does come as a shock to people sometimes yeah you know John's was was really concerned that the bean counters now are the people who control a lot of our really big and lovely gardens and if the garden doesn't make a profit that you know they're all for closing it or changing it quite dramatically mm. and bringing in all kinds of entertainments and things yeah. turning them into a glorified theme park which yeah really shouldn't be well that wouldn't deal with the english garden would it goodness no. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have bouncy castles no in. definitely not yeah. we just want peace and quiet and maybe some bird song <laughs> <laughs> but claire can you tell us how did you get into journalism first of all and garden um, journalism well gardening first actually um i went to pershaw college when i started gardening in like a tiny little back garden in manchester and i've just fell in love with it and i hadn't really worked out what i wanted to do for a career and just thought actually i'm enjoying this why don't i go down this road so i went to pershaw college and did my horticulture qualifications and then it was during my time there that i saw um an advert for a trainee journalism position that the royal horticultural society run and still run actually on their members magazine and it was that kind of classic light bulb moment and I thought yes brilliant that's what I want to do I want to write about it um so applied for that got that and then have been quite lucky since and that jobs have come up with perfect timing exactly when I've needed them to so I went from the garden onto garden news which is a weekly magazine completely different to the English garden sort of at the opposite end of the spectrum um but I loved it and I spent 11 years there editing it for the last five or six um and then after garden news came down to London to edit the English garden instead but complete change good for my CV in that it's so different such a glossy magazine compared to the kind of really down-to-earth practical magazine that garden news is goodness what experience mm, and, yeah. and, and and to actually start at the garden would have been a great place were you working then with Ian Hodgson yes he was my editor yes and then actually during my time at Garden News he came to work with me as um, uh, my editor at large so it was um, very odd I never felt like I was his editor though because he's Ian Hodgson so yeah <laughs> but great to work with well you know there are some people aren't there that we build a kind of respect for yeah exactly and it's not the job it, it's the person and yeah what they are and what they do great plantsman isn't he absolutely 
Yes, and he also has masses of um, brilliant fruit trees in his garden and he was known for bringing in great big sackfuls of quince and medlars and things like that, giving them round to all of us to turn into jams and jellies. Oh, yes, don't mention that. <laughs> I'm, I'm rather proud. At, at the Windsor Rose and Horticultural Society show, ten days or so ago, I, I made the foolish suggestion some months before that everybody should make an entry, otherwise we wouldn't have a show. Right. <laughs> and so I put in two jars of preserve and got uh, second for my blackcurrant jam <laughs> and first for my marmalade. So oh, I'm, I'm, work- I'm walk- walking on air here, you know. <laughs> I love shows, though. They're so good. And I don't know why more people don't enter. It's such fun. And it doesn't matter if you don't win, does it? It's just taking part. It really is. Oh, I mean, it was a great atmosphere. Mm. We, we had uh, six wheelbarrows from six different schools where they'd grown vegetables in the wheelbarrows. Mm-hmm. And, and, and kids who'd grown uh, busy lizzies in pots. I mean, uh, all generations, you know, the kids, mums and dads and grandmas and granddads all there out in the sunshine having a lovely time. I mean, it's a great institution, isn't it? An an English institution. Does the English garden ever cope with the (laughs) village flower shows? No, but maybe we should. We actually don't know whether you know, but we also have an American edition. So every um, other month we um, ship a... um, issue over to the states and um it almost sells as many as the uk edition um uh, sort of bought by you know americans who kind of love england and they probably all think we live in such cottages near the queen but um but it goes down so well there and i was writing a short piece for about um giant vegetables and how that's such a kind of bizarre kind of english pastime growing the biggest onion or the longest runner bean and you're right actually a, a village show thing would probably go down really well for our u.s readers yeah now what have we got lined up for the future for english gardens what about the august issue um well it's out this week um and there's some cracking gardens in it actually um do you know the salutation in kent i do indeed yeah yep. um so we have a lovely feature on that it's the garden that i think it's almost as famous for being the former home of Stefan dom from gogglebox you know the couple who were quite well refreshed whenever they were watching television on the tv show but the garden's <laughs> fantastic the, the head gardener there um i think you'd love him peter i only i've only met him recently at hampton court he's called steve edney and he's so passionate about plants and such a wealth of information and he's got a lot of exotics um you know all those kind of really beautiful leafy foliage plants but masses of dahlias as well and the national collection i think of dark leaf dahlias um so the photo set's from the salutate it's gorgeous it's so bright and colorful it's just really really great um we also have a feature on the organic garden at holt farm which is the home of yo valley you know the oh, dairy yeah, sort of yeah. yogurts and things but the garden there is fantastic it's quite naturalistic um and also um hall place um in bexley heath so not too far out of london um it's a it's a really fascinating garden, um, uh, sort of showcased a 1950s horticulture, and there's this wonderful row of topiary um, that were planted as um, sort of fearsome beasts for the Queen's coronation, but have succumbed to middle-aged spread and now look a bit like sort of fat puppies with their tongues hanging out. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's on my list of places to go now. I live in London. I need to get the train down to Bexley and uh, see that in the flesh. Yeah. Now you're a very busy lady in. Mm. Uh, that uh, you're currently chairman of the Garden Media Guild. Yes. 
And that must be, that must take some time. All of the rest of my time, it feels like sometimes. Yeah, it's great fun. It's good. The the, the Guild is the professional body that looks after um, writers and photographers, broadcasters, bloggers, lecturers in the fields of gardening communication. And we try to put training courses on to help people develop, make sure that they can run their businesses profitably. Um, We put on garden visits, take them behind the scenes to places. And we also run um, an annual awards ceremony uh, with the aim of raising the standards of their communication about horticulture and it has it's been running since was it 91 uh, yes must, I think. must yeah, be yeah yeah That's i mean right. does everybody know that you were the person who started it as well peter uh, well. <laughs> if you live long enough you do most things don't you? <laughs> but, but I mean that awards lunch now I mean you've taken it back to the Savoy I yeah. mean the Savoy in London that's a really posh yeah. do isn't it? It, it is a swanky do the Savoy is obviously lovely and it's just nice to have that cachet and glamour and it turns it into a really special day and it, it has become a, a fixture in everybody's calendars you know you know if it's late November it's time for the GMG awards lunch and yeah. About 350 people go, and but it's a, it's a beast to organise. It does take a lot of time, but uh, yeah. it's all good fun. Developing different skills to magazine editing, doing that. Yeah. Uh, Claire, we're indebted to you for that work <laughs> and for the editing of, a, of the English Garden, quite an institution. Look yeah. forward to seeing you very soon. Thank you. I was talking to... Uh, a colleague that I worked with many years ago with the BBC and we were talking about the opportunities that present themselves to uh, people in the course of their working lives Uh, and he said that when one door closes another one opens and speaking to one of the old hands in the Beeb making this sort of comment the old hand said yes one door closes another one opens but it's also worth trying the handles on a few doors. I'll leave that thought with you. Thanks again to our sponsor, Thompson and Morgan. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.